You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It is wonderful to be back, Owen, to another in-person episode. It is indeed. We've got Phoebe with us. Phoebe from Clover Financial Solutions. How are you going? I'm going really well. Thank you so much for having me on. I am just so honoured to be here. <laughs> well, Thanks for making the trek to our office. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, you've just come in from Hawthorne, which is in eastern suburbs, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's not too far. Not too far at all. Yeah, yeah. Today we're going to be talking property and specifically like first home buyers. I made a joke before that now that I've got a house, I'm not as worried about the rules. But now when we prepared for this show, I was looking at all the things we've got to cover and I'm like, thank the heavens that we've got someone coming in who knows all this stuff because even just in the last 18 months since I bought a house, things have changed. Mm. Yeah, things are changing all the time and there's some really absolutely sensational grants out there and other incentives to buy a house. So there's lots of incentives to buy a house out there at the moment and it's been a really good um, 12 months or 24 months to be a first home buyer. Yeah, because we always get scared off with the big headlines of house prices going up Mm. um, and that obviously favours people that already have homes, right, and investors. Yes. But it seems more and more out of touch. I can't remember which uh, Instagram personality, this was Kate, you might remember, basically said that house prices in their area went up $1,100, I think it was a day or a week equivalent in one 12-month period. And they're like, how are we supposed to save for this house? Exactly. (laughs) And... Fortunately, all these incentives mean that you don't really have to save for the house if you can afford to buy it. Yeah, right. So if you can afford the loan, yep. you're halfway there. Yep. Just before we get into some of those, tell us a little bit about your business. What do you do? All right. So I'm a mortgage broker. I've been a mortgage broker for 15 years at my own business, Clover Financial. Um, I've got about six staff, including my daughter, who's also a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. I did say that. And we've got a first home buyers club. We've got um, another couple of investee type of things to do. But yeah, we're 
very focused on the first home buyers and second home buyers. But that's most of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, investment properties, of course, as well, because that just comes as part of it, but not so much the commercial or equipment or anything like that that a lot of other mortgage brokers do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when we met, you said you just absolutely love working with first home buyers. I really <laughs> do. I really do. Both of us do. And it's because you're starting the journey and you're starting the journey together so you can get all the opinions and juice and mm-hmm. really try and dig deep into what they, they want their life to be like, how we can start designing that so that you can meet a whole lot of other goals like where you want to bring up your children, whether you want to start creating an investment property portfolio, whether you want to buy something that you think is going to increase in value, where should you buy, what should you buy. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's the whole journey where second home buyers and future home buyers and investors know a lot more about that stuff so you don't get that juicy bit about the yeah. finding the house which is the best part of the journey we've, like, talk, we've talked about this in the past that it's the most important one too yeah right like that absolutely. sets you up for what you do next absolutely i really think it does and so we put a lot of time and effort and energy into giving people property reports and talking them through negotiating with real estate agents which is not what we're paid to do as mortgage brokers but it's just the best part of the journey. Like I'll often be called on a Saturday morning as someone's going to auction, just, <laughs> what should our strategy be? <laughs> Let's not miss out on anything, mm. you know, mm. just go forward with it. Do you mainly deal with people here in Victoria or do you deal with people everywhere? No, we deal with people everywhere, but we've got concentrations of clients in New South Wales, so Sydney and also Northern Rivers mm-hmm. um, and WA as well, just because we've had a few clients there, my sister's in WA, so we've got a few clients through her um, and Northern Rivers. I've just got a whole lot of friends that are up there and <laughs> one introduces All you the to word the next. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, also Queensland, a few. Um, not so much. We've got a couple in South Australia but not so much and we've got one in the Northern Territory, which is quite interesting because they've mm. got some quite interesting rules about their houses. Mm. That would yeah, be wow. interesting, like getting yeah. different um, rules and learning about them and then yeah. giving that information back. So yeah. one of the things that we found in the Northern Territory was the normal deposit that you need is 20% to avoid mortgage insurance, but in the Northern Territory in some suburbs of Darwin, they'll lend up to seven, banks will lend up to 70% instead of 80% for mortgage insurance to kick in. Right, okay. Interesting. So, mm. and the house prices, I'm just trying to think, are house prices, they're more expensive? I haven't actually looked. I don't know. They're not. No. They're, they're on par with Perth. Perth's interesting because the houses don't really appreciate in value a lot either, we've noticed. Over over a few years, you're not seeing great, huge jumps in property value in Perth. Right. Interesting. It's, again, I wonder if, you know, um, anyway, we could just keep mm. <laughs> speculating. I was thinking, like, wonder if yeah. COVID uh, hasn't, uh, you know, oh, well, you're not moving open. to Perth on the Northern Territory. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of, you kind of get sidetracked yeah, and go yeah. down all sorts of tracks. <laughs> and this is this is why it's fun dealing with first home yeah. buyers because you can explore all these different ideas. For sure. Mm. Kate, this is your first question. I'm going to let you ask this one because yeah. you're in this boat. Yeah. So uh, unlike Owen, who doesn't care about me anymore because he already <laughs> owns a property, I actually do not own a property and I'd really like to consider maybe buying a property this year. And I think sometimes if you look at the media and the headlines, it can seem like it's a losing game because property prices are increasing and um, – but a lot of the stories are framed like if you don't have family money or you don't have a parent who can go as a guarantor, it's almost impossible nowadays. And I know you have some thoughts on this, so I'd love to start the conversation here. <laughs> um, I do. And it's not impossible at all. So there's a few things. You need to know what you want to buy and where you want to buy and then start thinking about what price you want to pay. Mm. And once you know those, the answer to those three questions, we can start fitting you for 
um, the different grants that are available or the different incentives that are available. So we had a client recently was buying her first home. She's got a child. She's a single parent. Um, this is not exclusively available to first home buyers, but it's a really good incentive where you need 2% of the overall property value to be able to get into it. There's different levels between regional and metropolitan that you can purchase your price. Um, your home up to, but you can also say, okay, I'm, and you ha- you have to be earning less than one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, but that doesn't include the child support payments that you get. But the lender to assess your ability to pay back the loan will include child support payments. Right. So you, you so we start with that sort of thing. Mm. So where do you want to buy? You want to buy regional, or you want to buy um, metropolitan? Then what? how much you want to buy for and then what scheme fits you. You don't have children, Kate. No, so not quite. this isn't the one for you, but <laughs> the one for you is the First Home Lenders Deposit Scheme. 5% deposit and you can get that for an established home or a brand new home and the 5% deposit needs to be genuinely saved. And by genuine savings, it's not just putting money aside in a bank account or buying shares or other investments, um, your ETFs and stuff like that. It's it's um, rent is genuine savings. Paying back a, a loan at, at an accelerated rate is genuine savings and tax returns are genuine savings. Right. So if, for example, Kate or whoever was listening to this wanted to save, so they need to get a 5%. Yep. And they have to show genuine savings ability. So it wouldn't be as simple as I'm saving $200 a week and putting that into a separate bank account. Does that count? That does. That absolutely counts. And that's a very important part of it. That's the normal part of genuine savings. But there are options. There are other ones. Okay, right. So So if you get lump sum for some reason, say you win some money or you sell some shares or whatever. That, just, yeah, yeah, okay. That makes mm. sense. Yeah, okay. So there are a few different things we want to go over. We've got the, which I think you've just mentioned, the family home guarantee. Uh-huh. We've got the first home loan deposit, the rural guarantee, yep. which is kind of new. Yep. We've talked a little bit about the super saver scheme, but a lot of people are interested in this. They want to know, you know yep. the basics of it at least. Um, there's a Victorian home buyers fund. I, yep. This is completely new to me. Yep. Um, and then there's the, the first homeowners grant. So yep. um, we can talk about stamp duty and all those types of things yep. as well. Um, Kate, how do you want to take them? Do you want to take them in that order? Yeah, I mean, yeah. unless okay. there's a logical order you want no, to go through. there is no logical order. It's no? all about how much do you want to buy for and then how much deposit do you have. And then, okay, then we try and drill down to... All right. So maybe if we have an example for each one as well, that yep. would help. Yep. Um, yeah. Well. Yep. This family home one sounds interesting. Yeah. Is that Victorian or... Um, no, that's that's national, so that's a two percent down, okay. and that's two percent down including stamp duty. So if you're not a first home buyer, you have to pay stamp duty okay. in Victoria. Um, you have to pay stamp duty everywhere, yep. pretty much. If you're not a first not a first home buyer, so you can put two percent down, and um, the lender will lend you the rest okay. as long as you can afford to pay it back. So just to just confirm, so I pay, put my two percent down, uh-huh. and then I pay my stamp duty. If you're buying for say four hundred thousand, mm-hmm. um, and there is stamp duty involved, say the stamp duty is ten thousand dollars, yep. you need ten. You need four hundred and ten to complete the purchase. Yep. You'll need an eight thousand dollar deposit. Ah, I see what you mean. To do that. Yep. And that's all. Okay. So it's two percent of the the total purchase price or total purchase value kind of thing. No, it's two percent of the purchase the. Um, 2% of the purchase price, they'll add the stamp duty on top because that's a cost to buy yep. and then they'll 
they'll do it all for right. the eight thousand dollars that you've got. So if you get a great tax return, which I suppose a few people will this year, yeah, um, get a great tax return. There's your eight thousand dollars. Yeah, put it towards a home. Yeah. What are the other rules? Like, two, I've never heard of this two um, percent scheme. <laughs> it's you have to have a child. Okay, so single parent. You yeah. have to be a sole parent. Okay, Kate, go you, and find yourself a child. You, <laughs> you don't have to be the primary carer of the child. Ah, okay. So we've done a loan for um, a dad that had the kid every second weekend, kind of thing. Yep, that's possible. Um, and yeah. You have to be earning less than one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and they don't include the um, child support payments, which is good because the lenders will include the child support payments as income as long as they're collected through the CSA. So that boosts a lot of people's income, which means that they can Mm. afford to get into a home. Mm. And what about the other eighteen percent? Is covered by your loan, so you borrow that amount. Okay, and so this is effectively you don't. You, you, you dodge kind of the lender's mortgage insurance. You completely dodge the lender's mortgage insurance. Right. And also you don't need a large deposit to get into a home. Yeah. And is so you're not saving and saving and saving and thinking that this is something. I was a single parent and this yeah. would have been something that was completely out of my reach to buy a home if I didn't have parent parental help. Mm. This is huge. I did not know this mm. exists. So good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so is there a limit on how much you can spend on a house? Yeah, there is. And the limits are different for different states and also different for if you're buying in regional or metropolitan areas. Okay. And yeah. the place to find out what your limits are is the um, website that is called if – you, if you Google first home buyers, it come, it, um, if you Google the scheme, it comes up. Mm. But the website is – NHFIC website. Okay. And we can put a link to that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like that's that's so valuable because we talk to a lot of people, like investors, right? Mm. And it, to invest, you have to have money. Mm-hmm. So people that we talk to on the show typically have money. Mm. And they, we, well, this part of the market often goes underserved by a lot of brokers as well, right? Very much. So, yeah, so this is a huge thing that if you're listening to this, you are a parent. And you're looking to buy a home. This is what you should be looking for. Absolutely, what yeah. you should be looking for, particularly if you don't and you don't have family help. Yep. Yeah. Because it's really for you don't have family help. For all of the schemes, you need to also be an Australian citizen. So okay. with um, stamp duty um, concessions and things like that, you don't have to be. You can just be an Australian resident. Um, but for these, you have to be an Australian citizen. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Kate, what's number two? There's a lot to each one, isn't there? Yeah, there is. <laughs> to get your head around. You yep. can see why you need a mortgage broker. Yeah, to you really can. Really pull it apart and go, uh, what's your situation and does this actually align and match yep. up with it? Because there's, yeah, a lot to it. Um, okay, I guess the second one was the first home loan deposit scheme. Which is one of my favourites. So this came out about two years ago and they did they did it in lots of 10,000 places at a time. Yeah, I remember this. And yep. the first lot, we we got onto it as soon as we got onto <laughs> it because we've got a lot of first home buyers that follow us that are talking to us. There's a Facebook group and there's conversations that are had in constantly with our first home buyers um, and their friends. But they um, we got onto this straight away and really understood how to use it. The genuine savings part of this is essential, so we've got really got to get that right. I had one first home buyer you need 5% genuine savings and pulling her genuine savings together was really difficult because she'd been transferring money in and out. She'd got gifts from a parent. She'd 
got gift from her brother. Like there was just money all over the place and there weren't big gifts, so a couple of thousand dollars here and there, but we had to prove her genuine savings. She wasn't renting through an agent, so we couldn't use rent oh. as genuine savings and she didn't have a tax return that was 5%. So they're the things that we're looking for when we're looking for eligibility for the scheme. That she has, you have to be an Australian citizen, you have to be earning under 125000 or 240 I think, if you're a couple. And that's available to only Australian citizens as well. So we've knocked out a few people when we're going through this because maybe the partner's not an Australian citizen and stuff like that. But this scheme is my very favourite and it's available for new homes and it's available for existing homes. And there's fewer places for existing homes, so it's quite hard to get on that waiting list. But when you're on a waiting list with a bank, we tend to turn them over quite quickly quickly and make sure that people are getting into their homes. I had one person that sat on the waiting list for about 18 months. Oh, wow. And you're taking a place away from someone else. So we were getting a bit kind of buy a home yeah. or get off the waiting list, like one or the other. Mm. <laughs> so there's only 10,000 spots a year. 10,000 spots every six months every it's six been. Months. And the, because the take-up was so slow for the first one, there were a few extra places for a while. But now it seems that people have actually got to know how to use it and which banks have it. So it's Commonwealth National and it's all the credit unions do it. Um, and, again, better to go through a broker so that you can get all that. So you're not the one dealing with the um, the how do we prove genuine savings yep. thing. Yeah. So for the first home loan deposit scheme, I'm assuming it has to be your first home? It has to be your first home. Yep. yep. Cool. And is this the one where there are limits by suburb of what you can spend? Yes. Yeah. Because I remember looking at one suburb here in Victoria, and this was a little while ago, of course, um, and it was capped at 600000 mm. Um And I noticed that a few different suburbs had different rates. Yep, definitely. Yeah, yeah. okay. So it's important to check those things. Yes, yeah. and that's all on that website. Yeah, okay. yeah. I remember going on there and putting a postcode in and checking yep. to see what it was. Yeah. So all of these schemes are on different websites, are they? No, that the home buyer and the single parents and the new home guarantee are all on the same because okay. they're all the same provider. Right. And we've done that. It, we've given you a spread uh, – flow chart yeah. and you can see which where to go for each thing awesome. or you should be able to and if you can't i'll fix it <laughs> <laughs> how about so this is just a quick one which is the rural guarantee this has only been proposed recently yep so this came out in the federal budget and this is again five percent um savings and you cannot have owned a home for five years or you're a first home buyer and you can buy in a rural area okay. and that's it and that's exactly the same as the parental guarantee where the 5% can count toward the stamp, will give you the stamp duty and everything. So okay. it's a whole yep. lot. And it's to, look, I, I'm finding, I've got a lot of clients that buy investment properties in rural areas and live in rural areas and house prices there are going up strangely mm. quite quickly, particularly in major towns. So it it's potential that we'd need to make it more affordable, like make mm. the limits higher, but we'll see how they go. Yeah, right. So there'll be more information about this in the next yeah. few months? in or? the next few months. Okay. So we've got to legislate for it first. Yeah. So. yeah. And the thing I think is important to remember, just in case we haven't clarified, is you don't just get this money, like even though like yeah. it's, it's just, it goes towards the property. Um, it's basically to get you into a home. I think mm. some, some people, when they hear of things, they might think, oh, this is a, some sort of cash windfall to me, which is like the Victorian Home Buyers Fund. Yeah, so the Victorian Home Buyers Fund, we haven't actually written any loans for that at all. Um, it's th through um, Bank Australia and Bendigo Bank, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, what that How that works is they will give you the cash toward the property so you don't pay... You can, you can get into a house that is 
more expensive than what you could afford normally with a mortgage. Okay. So if your normal affordability was 700000 they give you 20% plus costs, you're getting into a, an $800,000, $900,000 house. Hmm. And what will happen is they'll give you the funds to complete the purchase, so the 20% plus costs, as cash and invest it pretty much in your property. As your property increases in value, when you want to refinance or sell that property, they'll take what they've given you plus the percentage that it's increased. So if they gave you 100,000 and it's increased by 25%, then they'll take 125,000 back. So it's like an investment for them. It's like an investment for them. And the key, Absolutely. the key therefore would be that you don't necessarily own all of it. If You, you might yeah. think you do, but you don't necessarily own all exactly. of it. Exactly, and you don't keep your deposit. And it's been an interesting thing in the UK where you've had declining property values mm. um, and this scheme's existed in the UK. They're pretty much forced selling people out of their houses. Um, there was an article in the Financial Review about six weeks ago forcing people out of their houses for using these kind of schemes. I'm not saying that the Victorian government will do that. <laughs> yeah, that's just be, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, and that's yeah, that's probably a very but, like easy thing like, yeah. for a, for a headline writer. But it's it, for the most part, you know, it's um, it, at least many of these other schemes seem very reasonable and very mm. very much like why not take advantage of them? Yeah. Um, Kate, are you going to use your super? Yeah, what about the super saver scheme? So we've had a few clients that have used the super saver scheme and I like the super saver scheme personally and I know you two won't because (laughs) (laughs) it's touching super and we want extra money in super. But it is quite a tax effective way to, um, to take money out. One very important thing to remember with the super saver scheme is when you pull that money out, you're going to be taxed on it. So you've got to allow for that in your how you're thinking about using it. It's probably for people that can afford a little bit more and can also afford to put a bit more into super. Mm. So particularly with the carry forward rule and all that sort of stuff, you can keep it under your concessional cap, you can add to your super, you can do all those sort of things and then you can take the money out again to buy your first home, only your first home or if you've been in desperate financial hardship um, you can take your super out to do that, but you can't take it. You can only take out the extra you've put in. You can't take out yeah. your base, what your base balance. Not your employer be. contributions. You can't take that out at all, which is very interesting because the two people that we've done it for have been self-employed. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, two of the people we've done it yeah. for have been self-employed, and it's very hard to work out what that yeah. level should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because yeah, they because like where do you draw the line, right? Exactly. Like, like we're supposed to do ten percent, but. If you're self-employed, you don't have to. Yeah. So, so super saver scheme nationally available? Nationally available. Um, a way to save for your first home. Not a not a bad way. Do it's, you have to let the um, your super fund know if yep. you're planning on doing this? You let your super fund know, and you let and they let the ATO know, or you okay. let the ATO know. Um, you've got to give them plenty of notice. You can take the money out when you're when you're looking for the home. So I've had clients that have taken the money out when they're looking for the home and you've got 12 months to either buy a home or put the money back in. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah. you've got a bit of a time frame there yeah. if you do take that money out. And they're, they're very strict on it because obviously anything that touches super, the governments yeah. and the ATO are just completely all over. So it, I think it's a, I think it's a fine way to save, particularly if you're not, because it's almost invisible. So anything that's invisible savings to me is a good way to save. So mm-hmm. I've got um, little micro investment accounts all over the place that I save for my granddaughter <laughs> and my daughter and stuff like that. And that's invisible savings to me. I can't see that I'm doing it. Yep. And similar with the super saver scheme, if you're not a good saver 
and you will access your cash that you've saved already, completely normal, um, then it's a good place to hide your money until you're ready to spend it. Mm. But and the tax on it I think is really important because a lot of people don't realise that. No, they wouldn't. Uh, there's a limit on it for singles and for couples, right? How much you can put in? Yeah, there is. Yeah. And it's an extra – and how much you can take out as well. So you can take out $30,000 in um, for each year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's all. Yep. Yeah. And if you wanted more information on this – Absolutely, hit the ATO website up. Okay, yeah, cool. the, that's the very, very best place. It's clearly explained. I think there's a video explainer on it as well. Okay, cool. And yeah. that is the very best place. Don't don't look at anyone's website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all there. It's Get it from cool. the source. Yeah, get it from the source yeah. because it's it's just one of those things that if you're touching super, if yeah. someone's admitted to tell you something like the tax or like the limits that you've got then, yeah, you don't want to miss that. No. How about the First Homeowners Grant? First Homeowners Grant is available in every state. Um, It's $15,000 in Queensland and South Australia and it's $10,000 in all the other states. And it is for buying an off-the-plan home or a new home. Okay. And off-the-plan homes, when I started in mortgage broking 20 years ago or whatever, um, off-the-plan homes were a really popular purchase for first-time buyers. Yeah. That's sort of changed over the years and I've really noticed that change. But building is still quite a – and particularly yeah. in WA, building is getting into your first home. So right. because no stamp duty on on the land because it's under a certain value plus you get a $10,000 bonus. So you – and that bonus, that $10,000 first-time owners grant can be your 5% of your purchase price to get you across – the line for your first-time lender's deposit scheme. So you can use all the things together and you can be quite cluey. So we've done quite a few. Um, WA had a $55,000 incentive for building. Wow. So $10,000 first-time owner's grant, that $25,000 from the um, federal government, but they also had a $20,000 from the state government. Wow. So huge building incentive in WA two years ago. And... So you had a lot of we had a lot of first home buyers that were getting into their first home using that, plus the first home lenders deposit scheme because their parents' houses don't have enough equity because there's been no yeah very small capital growth. Interesting. So there, there you go. So if you knew what you were doing in WA a few years ago, you could mm. save fifty five thousand dollars yeah. and get into a home and get into a home for about four hundred thousand. Yeah. Wow. See, that's the. Uh, see, this is where we. Um, We've done a bit of like a few property shows over time and we've realized that more and more people are using mortgage brokers to do these types of things. Uh, just a real quick question, Phoebe, is you mentioned stamp duty before. Mm-hmm. I think people don't realize who, who pays that. So you pay that as the, as the purchaser and in, as a first home buyer in New South Wales, Victoria, ACT and WA under certain limits and please go to your state revenue office website because it's all clearly explained there. I won't tell you numbers because they will change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, again, rural and regional and metropolitan and suburban. It's all different. Um, but, yeah, you can have zero stamp duty in SA, Northern Territory, Queensland and Tasmania, there is a stamp duty charge and there can there is concessions in Queensland and Tasmania. Yep. Okay. And so this is so, – so some people don't necessarily think about this extra little cost, right, mm. when, they're, when they're buying a house, they just think of whatever it's in REA, on the REA website yep. or on domain. 
This is this can be quite meaningful as well, right? It is quite meaningful. So the best place to calculate what your stamp duty is going to be is on your SRO website. So State Revenue Office websites, all every single one of them has a calculator. We've got links to all of those on off our website that mm-hmm. are just clear and easy to get to. Um, assume in most states about three percent of the purchase price. In Victoria, it's about five percent. Yeah. Well. Okay. Just uh, different. Yeah, okay. And so, so many different numbers were yeah. running around my head. I, I can see Kate's trying to ca- calculate all these things. <laughs> yeah. So, Phoebe, if, um, so this is all like a lot, right? Yeah. So in a typical first home buyer's experience, would the mortgage broker help people through this or is this where conveyancer does some work as well? Like this who is does this? definitely part of the home loan application process. Okay. So what we do when you come and see us is we say, okay, where are you buying? What are you buying? Um, this is how much it's going to cost you. So land in, I've got a client doing a house and land in, um, South Australia. So land cost plus stamp duty plus cost to build minus whatever deposit they have. They're using the first time lenders deposit scheme. Um, and they're in the defense force. So they get an extra boost Mm -hmm. on that. And they're also getting the first homeowners grant. So we've organised that whole thing for them to make sure that they've got sufficient funds to complete the purchase um, and that's our job. And more and more, when I first started in mortgage broking, the conveyances did a lot of the heavy lifting around making mm. sure that the clients had enough money and stuff like that. That's all out the window now. It's all up to the mortgage broker because we've got to get it right because otherwise they get to settlement and they're, you know, $1,500 short because we've forgotten about a fee or a charge or something like that. It's, it's really hard because most first home buyers are putting every cent that they've got into the purchase price mm. to reduce mortgage insurance to, you know, because they've only got 5% or 10% or whatever. Yeah. So there's not much wiggle room there? None. No. And so if you heard any of, any of the things you mentioned today, you should be able to go to your mortgage broker and say, hey, I heard about this particular scheme. Is this relevant to me in my state, in my personal situation? Does this apply to the property I want to buy? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because I think you probably need someone to sit down and go through it with you, especially for your own circumstances. Yeah, because everyone's circumstances are so different. So if you've – and one of the things that we ask very, very early on is are your parents going to help you? Okay. And in what way would they like to help you? Because one of the things that I notice a lot of mortgage brokers do is get a gift letter from a parent, but it's not necessarily a gift. It's very important that you get that right because later on down the track – when the couple separates, yeah. that's a gift to the couple. But it wasn't really. It was really a loan or it was yeah. really a something. Yeah. Banks don't mind if you're getting a loan from your parents that needs need to be paid back in 20 years or when you sell the house or whatever the situation is with interest, without interest. They don't care as as long as you're able to service the debt plus the, the loan or as long as the loans are, are far in the future payback. They don't – they're happy. Hmm. Interesting. And – how long before a first home buyer is thinking I want to buy a house should they reach out to you? Straight away. Just as soon as you have the thought, yeah. you start looking and then come to come to a mortgage broker straight away because we'll help you on the whole journey. And I think most mortgage brokers now have access to property reports and can go through scenarios and are available Saturday mornings and 
I've been working on Saturday mornings for 20 years. I just, I love it. <laughs> it is my most exciting. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, what time's the auction? Yeah, yeah. What are we doing? Yeah, are yeah. they ready? Is everything okay? I can imagine if you find out you only needed a 5% deposit and you were thinking that I've got to save 10 years to get 20% deposit, mm. like that really changes the probably the journey you go it on. changes the journey mm. so much and it's made such a difference to so many people that we've been able to help and I really like it. Like really love these schemes. I know mm. Scott Morrison was a bit flippant the other day when he was saying, well, you can just go out and buy a house, but I would say <laughs> 90% of the people that we've got into a first home in the last three years are paying less mortgage than they were in rent. Wow. And that's incredible. Like mm. that's really good because they're building up their own asset they can they can afford it mm -hmm. and they're living somewhere that they want to live and they're mm. starting their life's journey in in property which i think i mean you know you yeah. bought recently yeah so. that's it yeah 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 so that, i think um i'd like to maybe if we can like have a concise overview of all the things we just mentioned so yeah. if someone's <laughs> been listening to the whole thing and they're super confused about what was victorian what was not victorian yeah. what's yep. relevant if maybe you could do like yep. a, a quick overview of all of the things we've talked about absolutely so the only victorian thing is the first is the home buyers fund so the four schemes um that are through the um National Housing Finance and Investment Corporation, which is government corporation, and we'll put the link on the um, chat. The show, yeah, notes. show notes. Yeah, show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can you you are borrowing the money except for the five percent cash that you've got for the new home guarantee, the first home guarantee, and the rural home guarantee, and you're borrowing the money except for the two percent that you've got for the family home guarantee and all the information and a qualification quiz is available on that website. So you can just jump through all the, you know, do you have a child, yes or no, family home guarantee or not, are you a first home buyer, um, new home guarantee or first, first home lenders guarantee, are you buying in a rural area and you haven't owned a home for five years or you're a first home buyer, rural home guarantee. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you are a single parent trying to get into a home and you've got the option of having a 2% yeah. deposit, it's a... It's, it's a game changer. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's a fantastic scheme. Yeah. Because, you know, um, we had a mortgage broker on the show in the past and he basically said like the financial world's built for couples, right? And it is. It is. Yeah. And so to have a single, particularly with a dependent, it's a huge leg up. Yeah. So, Wonderful. And I know the rental rules are changing and you can do more in your house, but there's nothing as secure as owning your own home. Yeah. Just, it's there. It's yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. so there's something very tangible about yes. having that piece of land compared to when we invest in shares and ETFs. You don't, you don't print off your share certificates? <laughs> no, no. I found a few old ones from my grandmother the other day. But, oh, that's uh, cute. I thought maybe you could frame them. But <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, but make sure she still owns them first. Um, you never know what's, uh, what it's worth. Um, Phoebe from Clover Financial, thank you so much for joining Kate and I on the show. That's my absolute pleasure. And Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. 
Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.